Have you ever been to a Christmas parade? Have you been to a Christmas parade? You probably looked forward to it for quite a while because it's probably something that you don't get to do every day. We don't really get to go to parades every day. And when you got to the area where the parade was going to be, you were, you were looking for a spot, a spot for you and the people that came with you. And maybe you were on the sidewalk, maybe you were next to the street, but you were looking for that sweet spot where you could see the parade and see what was happening. And, and you can feel the electricity in the air. You can feel the excitement. And, and you can look on the, the faces of children, and there were just joy. And maybe even some adults had that look of joy on their face. And, and you just, you hoped. You anticipated this exciting, exciting moment. And you could hear the parade coming long before you saw it. And you saw a marching band come by and thought, oh, that's great, but that, that, that's not what I'm here for. And you may have seen some, some floats go by. And thought, oh, those look really nice. Glad I didn't have to work on those. But that's not really what I came to see. And maybe you see some people on horseback or on motorcycles or my brother on a unicycle. And you think, oh, that's really neat, but that, that's not what I came to see. And then you see all these balloons, these bright, colorful balloons come by. And you're thinking, oh, that's great, but that's not who I came to see. And it, you, just, you just watch for the, that last balloon, for that last float, for that last band. And it's, it's building to this level of excitement. It's building to this level of happiness. And then here comes Santa Claus, probably on a sleigh, Around here, it might be the back of a pickup truck, but you're still seeing Santa Claus, and he's laughing. Maybe he's singing Christmas carols, and you think, okay, now that's who I came to see. And you leave knowing you saw what you expected to see. Today's scripture is a parade, and the people who were there were thinking, oh, this is who we came to see, but is that really who they came to see. Did happen exactly the way they thought it might. The people grab palm branches. Maybe they're waving them. They may have laid some on the ground and people are walking over it. And they're waving these palm branches and they're shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna! Which is a, a word of praise. It's a word of joy. It's a word that means save us. Save us, Lord. And they're, they're waving these branches because they're saying, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Oh, he's finally here. He's finally here. The one that we've been expecting is here. Oh, it's just so exciting. But is that really who they expected? Are they really offering this word of Hosanna to the one they expected? So what were they expecting? Our first clue is the palm branch. This actually tells us what they were expecting. These palm branches were symbols of victory, of triumph. They're saying we're welcoming our national hero. Our national hero is here. But what were they expecting in a national hero? What were they expecting? There were lots of different expectations. And they expected many different things. Some people were expecting a military leader in the Messiah. They were expecting one who was going to come in and just take over and kick out the oppressive government. Things were going to be set right. It was going to be a military leader. 
some other Jews were expecting a peacemaker. A peacemaker who was going to end their suffering, who was going to, to make things better for them, that was going to make life better, but it was going to happen without the threat of war. This peace was going to come, and it wasn't going to come just to Israel. They were looking for worldwide, literal peace, but it was going to happen in a peaceful way. And then there would have been some other Jews that said, okay, I know somebody's coming, and that's fine. Just don't disturb my life. My life's good. When, when it's obvious who it is, then, then I'll jump on board. The religious leaders assumed that the Messiah was going to be a devout, law-abiding Jew. That's what they assumed. Is that who they were expecting? When we look at what they say with Hosanna, save us, Lord, it actually harkens us back all the way to Egypt. What the Jews were really looking for was a deliverer. A deliverer. Someone who was going to take them out of the oppression they were in, take them out of the lives that they were in, and deliver them into peace. That's exactly what the slaves in, in Egypt were crying for. It was a voice for a deliverer. They wanted this, this person to reveal themselves and say, okay, I'm here now. The deliverer is here. The Savior is here. Things are going to change for the better. What do we expect from a Savior? What do we expect from the Messiah? What do we expect from Jesus? What do we expect of this Christian life? Maybe we expect our prayers to be answered in the exact way we've asked. Maybe we expect a prosperous life, riches, contentment, an easier life. Maybe you expect a peaceful life where nothing will go wrong. Maybe we expect someone to walk us through life. Maybe we expect a friend, a confidant, a guide. What are we expecting from this Jesus? What are we expecting in our own lives of a Messiah? What's interesting about the crowd in this story, the crowd represents what we call the human condition. The crowd represents something that's typical of humanity, and what it's representing is the crowd is expecting a savior. The crowd is expecting a deliverer. It is a human condition to expect that deliverer. What do you, what do you expect from Jesus? What the crowd got from Jesus was not from they expected. It's not what they expected, although the way the passage is written, it's not obvious but if we look at it really closely, we'll be able to see that what they got was not what they expected. It says that Jesus rode in on a donkey, on a colt. Well, that's a little odd. That's a little odd. If he was a military leader, then he would have ridden in on a purebred horse, on a stallion. That's not what he rode in on. He rode in on a donkey. The donkey is a symbol of peace. So maybe those Jews that weren't really looking for the military leader, the Jews that were looking for the peacemaker, they may have recognized that being on a donkey was that symbol of peace, but they wouldn't have been the ones who plucked the palm branches and were waving them around. That was the triumphant victory that was being waved. 
But Jesus didn't actually come in on a donkey. It says he came in on a donkey's colt. On a young one. He rode in on an animal that was birthed and raised to work hard for a working class family. Palm branches. Save us, Lord. Humble colt. Some in the crowd were expecting this jubilant victory. What they got was humility. What they got was humility. The cult just doesn't fit. They were expecting this, and Jesus brought them something else. What do we get in Jesus that we don't expect? What do we get in our Christian life that we don't expect? We get a humble teacher. A humble teacher, a humble savior. We get a God who gives us a call to go do something that we think we're not ready for. But we also get a God who gives us the talents and the equipment to do what God's calling us to. The challenges that God calls us to, God also gives us the way to do that. We get a Holy Spirit. That's not a part of the Messiah story at all. But to have a Holy Spirit to come and walk with us every day and to be with us. It says in our passage, Jesus says, where I am, there my servant is also. We get Jesus walking right beside us walking right with us. We have a servant leader, a servant savior, a humble teacher. Is any of that what we would expect from Jesus? Two months ago is when we began our look at the Gospel of John. I mentioned then that we needed to watch for the word hour. H-O-U-R, hour, the hour. And I mentioned that the hour was a, a symbolic word that, that the writer of the Gospel was using. And it, it stands for glorification. It stands for the moment where Jesus ultimately points to the very presence and power of God among the people. And I told you that in the Gospel of John, this hour was actually three events wrapped up into one. Three moments wrapped up into one. I said that it was Jesus' death, Jesus' resurrection, and Jesus' ascension wrapped up into one event, and that's the hour. It was the death on the cross, the resurrection from the grave, and the ascension to the right hand of the Father. Those three moments pulled together were the single event of the hour. And two months ago, when I told you that that's what the hour was, the scripture was saying that Jesus said, my hour has not yet come. In the passage that Diana just read, Jesus says, the hour for the Son of Man to be glorified has come. Now the hour is here. But we need to look at where that statement falls in our story. Don't overlook where it falls in there. What happens immediately before he says that? Yes, we've got the crowd who watched Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. It's the thing that sparks everything else that happens this week. Yes, we have Jesus coming in in a triumphal entry, odd, on, on a peaceful beast. But what happens immediately before? says some Greeks come. 
Read that as Gentiles. Read that as non-Jews who are in the city for Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. They're God-fearers. They worship God, but they're not Jews. These come up and they say, we want to see Jesus. They want to talk to Jesus. They want to hear what Jesus has to say. We have Gentile disciples appearing on the scene. And that's when Jesus says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Is it that the appearance of the Gentile disciples triggered the hour? Or is it the combination? Is it the combination of the Jewish leaders being threatened by the raising of Lazarus with the crowd giving this jubilant, triumphant welcome and the Gentiles showing up all three together? Honestly, I don't know. I don't know what it is that's triggering this statement that the hour has come, except I do know that the presence of the Gentiles was unexpected. None of the Jews, none of the Jewish leaders had anything wrapped up in the idea of the Messiah that meant Gentiles were going to show up. That was unexpected. The hour came when the unexpected clashed with the expected. Everything that's happening in this scene of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem is clashing the unexpected with the expected. The Jewish leaders assumed that the Messiah would be a law-abiding, righteous Jew. Jesus broke the law. He healed on the Sabbath. He had the audacity to reinterpret the law, and he had this popularity that threatened the Jewish leader's status and power. Not what the Jewish leaders were expecting. The crowd was expecting someone who would lift them up out of their oppression somehow, who would lift them up into a kingdom of God in Israel somehow. They were expecting this peacemaker. Rome is still in control. They're still under oppression. Their lives haven't changed much because Jesus is on the scene. Again, unexpected. The disciples who followed Jesus did not expect Gentiles to show up. They were obviously surprised. We have the unexpected and the expected clashing at the same moment. And that's when Jesus says, the hour has come. When the unexpected clashed with the expected is when Jesus pointed to the very power and presence of God among them. The hour has come. The hour has come. What are we supposed to do with the king that we got? What are we supposed to do with this humble teacher leader? What are we supposed to do with that? The passage says that we are to follow Jesus. We are to follow Jesus' teachings. We are to love the neighbor. We are to serve our neighbor. We are to love God. When we do that, when we follow Jesus, when we serve in Jesus' name, we will meet people that we were never expected to meet. When we follow Jesus, when we serve in his name, we will love people that we have never been expected to love. When we serve and follow Jesus, we will experience grace and mercy and forgiveness in ways we never knew possible. When we follow and serve Jesus, we will experience the unexpected. 
the unexpected. The hour has come. The hour is here. What is our role in that? What is our role in that? When we follow Jesus, when we serve Jesus, our very lives point to the very presence and power of God. We become Christ's representatives in this world. We become the very embodiment of God's love to our neighbor. We become the witness. We become the testimony. We become pointers to the very real presence of God in our lives and in this world. Jesus is not who they expected. We are not who people expect. But in that unexpectedness, we point even more to the power and presence of God in our lives. Let's be Christ's representatives in this world. Let's be that unexpected clashing with the expected. Let's be the witness. Let's be the testimony. Let's be the ones that say, Jesus is humble. Jesus is a savior. The victory is for all people. In the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit, amen.